What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us today is Gene Trebek, the CEO of InsideWink.com, an altruistic lifestyle website. Inspired by her passion to help people in recognizing the innate goodness and generosity in life, Jean's dedication to sharing the good is now her mission. Jean currently serves on the advisory board of the Compassion Project and is also closely involved in the launch of the Trebek Family Center, a combination of efforts between Hope of the Valley and the Trebek Family Foundation. While raising her children, Matthew and Emily, she co-owned and successfully operated a flower shop for 17 years in the Los Angeles area. Prior to that, she worked as a real estate property manager. Jean enjoys visiting her family in New York, where she was born, and loves being with her children. Jean, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. It's so great to be with you this morning. Actually, this afternoon. This afternoon, <laughs> yeah, officially. Mm. So, Jean, I know we were talking uh, a little bit before we started recording about the fact that we're both from Long Island, and I would love to hear a little bit about your background growing up there and how you made it uh, wound up in California from the East Coast. Okay, well, I was born in Jamaica, Queens, and my parents moved out to Huntington, Long Island. Mm. And, you know, I loved it there. I think many Long Islanders know that it's, um, it's really taken on a new zhuzh. I think a lot of people are migrating out to the Hamptons and um, it's no longer this little secret Long Island, you know, it's like, it's really getting well known. Um, and I loved it there. I just grew up in a very uh, rural, rural setting with um, my family. And then um, I went to Pepperdine University from from Long Island. So that's how I got out to California. Um, yeah, college. Yeah. College tran transplanted me here in Los Angeles. Wow. So when you were applying to college, did you know you wanted to be on the West Coast? Uh, was it hard to kind of like leave your family? Because I tried some similar moves and my parents did not like that. Mm hmm. Well, actually, my grandfather was on the board of trustees at Pepperdine. So that was back in 18, you know, 19, 18, <laughs> 18. I mean, I'm like really aging myself uh, in 1982. And so I was pretty much told uh, this is a great school. This is where you're going to go. Um, and it is a great school, albeit I wasn't really prepared um, scholastically for that level of college education because I just, you know, the school, high school I went to was very, was public. It was very basic, nothing 
nothing really, it wasn't a college prep high school. So I did feel like a little a, a fish out of water at Pepperdine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was it either positive or negative adjusting to the different style of life on the West Coast? Because I moved to Southern California about two years ago, and there's been a lot of changes coming from Long Island. Oh, absolutely. It, it, was, uh, it was night and day. And I'll just share that a lot of our, the graduates from my little high school, we, we were, most of us were, were virgins if we, you know, uh, didn't have like a serious boyfriend or girlfriend. And then you come out here to the West Coast and it's free love and everything is, <laughs> is much more um, open and expressive. And in a way that's, that's good. I think I lived a very sheltered life, but um, I think California really exposed me to many new ways of moving through life. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that you didn't like about California, either then or now, compared to the East Coast? Um, Well, I I think certainly the seasons are really beautiful on the East Coast. And um, I feel it's gotten very, um, I don't know. I don't, I love both coasts. You know, that's a great question. I haven't really thought about um, that, but I, I, I do feel very drawn to, to New York. I love the East Coast. I love New York. Um, I never get tired of going over the George Washington Bridge and seeing this, the city line there. Um, that's beautiful. And, and, you know, California is, is special in its own. So. Yeah, no, that, that's good. I, I, yeah. I love it since I moved out here I like mm-hmm. the ocean and the weather, but I've been to New York now twice this year. Uh, the first time was for my grandma's 90th birthday party, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun, but um, no, that's great. So, so you go to Pepperdine. Um, I'd be curious kind of like what you major in, what happens after, college? Do you stay in California? What came next for you? Okay. So, uh, majored in business and accounting. And I thought, you know, when I was a senior in high school, wow, I'm really good in math. You know, I I think I'm going to be maybe an accountant or something. And then you get to college and accounting is a whole new animal. (laughs) It's so different than, you know, I just thought, uh, it's, it's, I was really not prepared for that level, but I actually learned a lot. And that was, that really served me well. Um, I was a bookkeeper for a couple of real estate agencies. And then I was a bookkeeper and working to be like a full charge bookkeeper um, for this gentleman that lived in Malibu. And his best friend was this guy named Alex Trebek, and I would be doing the bookkeeping. So mind you, now I'm like 19, 20, and Alex would come over on Saturdays because that was that was his time that he could um, come over to see his friend, and that was the only time that I had off from my classes. And, and that is how I met Alex, was through doing this bookkeeping, and we would sort of meet, we would meet each other on Saturday mornings. 
that's so, such a small world or such yeah. a coincidence. Yeah. Um, so, so what, so this guy was a bookkeeper and how no, he wasn't, he was, he, okay. So sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I misunderstood. Yeah. He was, he, he was a, a big CEO from a company okay. and he retired and he lived out in Malibu colony and he, I answered an ad for a bookkeeper to get all of his you know, finances up on QuickBooks. So right. back in 1982, QuickBooks was starting and I was really good at it. And yeah. um, so that's what I was doing. Okay, so you thought you answer an ad for this CEO and, right. um, and so how did he know Alex? Was Alex uh, a TV host at that time? Yeah, so Alex had started Jeopardy at that time. He uh, maybe been hosting the show for I think three years. Mm -hmm. And uh, Buddy, his name was Buddy. He uh, he was the CEO of the Pep Boys, Manny Moe and Jack. Pep Boys, Manny Moe and Jack. And uh, he retired. <clears throat> but I think Alex and Buddy knew each other from just some social engagements. Okay, it sounds like Buddy would have been a good amount older than Alex, or mm -hmm. yeah, right? Because I'm like, why they're best friends? Yeah. This guy's a lot older, you know. That's right. Good, good. You're really following it to the detail. That's right. A buddy was is older. Was older. So was it more of like a mentorship relationship, or? I, I guess I think. Pardon me. I think Alex had. Um, I think Alex enjoyed being around older people, mm -hmm. except for me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they. I, for whatever reason, they, they became friends. Okay. Right. And then when you saw Alex, was it sort of like, was your story with him like love at first sight or were you kind of just like, no, mm -hmm. okay. No, no, not at all. Actually. I, I was not love at first sight. I think he, he, he tells the story that, um, you know, I was really young. Alex and I have a 24 year age difference. So, okay. um, so again, at that age, you know, sort of, sort of very naive and a, just, um, just very, just naive and, and how are, you know, a young girl is at around 20. And I think Alex was just very taken with me that I was not into show business, that I really didn't know what, you know, what he did for a living. So, um, and I was not, someone that was like trying to get to know him or I just waved to him and that went back to my job. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, I was not flirty. I was just very dedicated to do my, doing my work and getting back to the tennis courts. So, um, and I think Alex liked that. I think he liked that I wasn't fawning over him or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, we, and, and so we were, we became friends for about a good year and a half. We were just totally platonic, just very, very good friends. And then when I told him I was thinking of moving, he said to me, you know, I really, um, I really enjoy your company and I'd like to see if we could make more of our relationship. Wow. So, so, so what was making you want to move? I think, Brandon, I think I just felt sort of like a dead end. Um, I didn't, 
I wasn't feeling really motivated. Um, my brother had passed away and I was just feeling really couldn't find myself at that time. Mm -hmm. Maybe looking to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then, so Alex says this to you from the vantage point of view, were you guys hanging out at all one-on-one or the friendship was mostly at buddy's place still? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's, it's, you know, like now we're talking about this. This is like 35 years ago. Um, you know, Alex was not a big hanger outer. (laughs) There had to be a purpose. So either we would go out for dinner, which was nice, you know, and, um, but it wasn't, he was just not someone that liked to bop around and hang out. He, (laughs) he wanted there to be a purpose. Well, can you take me to the airport? Yes, Alex, I can do that. Well, great. And I think he thought that was like a date. So you guys were spending some time together alone, but it was just more friendly. And then so he says this to you and had it crossed your mind at all that there could be something between you? Or was mm-hmm. that really the first time when he said it? You know, I... I um... I just, I remember him liking me more and more and calling me and, and I just, you know, at that time I, I, my head was not in a good space. You know, I think from my brother's passing in a car accident, um, I wasn't my best self at that time of my life. And uh, I think Alex presented this very uh, strong and secure person that I felt he really loved me and appreciated me. And I think at that time, that's what I really needed. And, you know, we, we just seemed to work really well. I think he was a man at that time, very, um, you know, really wanting to, to make a name for him himself in the entertainment business in the tv game show business and um alex was on the guarded side he was not someone that he would just open up to easily uh and i was so i think we were we were really a good balance of yin and yang very strong masculine alex me being very strong in the feminine and just the stars aligned and we, we were great together. And we had two, we have two beautiful children. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I just want to say if anyone's, you know, we were married and and we had a great, honest relationship, but it does not mean it was, you know, always, you know, uh, tulips and rainbows, you know, it's like any long-term relationship. It takes work. There's communication. There's, you know, both, both partners change a lot. And I think when you're married to someone in the entertainment business and as he was growing his popularity, it, it, it does put a strain on the relationship. So you have to really stay engaged and appreciative in in the in the 
relationship. Yeah, no, that's really a lot of valuable insights for our listeners. And I want to dig into a couple of those if you're open to it. But mm -hmm. um, the first thing I'd love to do, also, if you're open to kind of talking about it for a minute, is any kind of advice in terms of, you know, losing a brother kind of traumatic experience, like what you would say to people who might be going through either something like that, or just even like a really tough time in their life right now. There's been yeah. a lot of change in the world in the last couple of years and people losing jobs or family members. Like, you know, one of my clients recently lost his father, pretty mm. unexpected, like any advice kind of from you going through that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we all move through grief and change and transition, you know, in our, in our own way. And, and I think when something happens, you know, most of us are not given the emotional, we were not raised with the emotional tools, how to handle shock and grief, you know, it's just suck it up and, I was fortunate enough to be, um, I was raised Catholic, but I wasn't considering, I didn't consider myself a practicing Catholic. However, I did have a very strong spiritual um, practice. And I, th I think that helps because this world is changing. It is not meant to be stagnant. It is not you know, we, we all change. And I think if you can ground yourself just a little bit in, um, in a higher power in, you know, and it's hard to talk in general terms because I want to encompass all the viewers, but, but what is it that makes a flower grow? You know, what is that energy? And we all have different names for it. And, and it's sad because names kind of push oh, well, that's not the name I use for it. But I think if you, the mind can relax into um, being okay with change, you know, and that it, it's inevitable, you know, and, and it's like fighting a dragon if you always want things to be the same, you know, and when you can open up with, trusting that the universe is is a loving universe and 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 that presents a problem too because it would it's hard to say the universe is loving when if your child has been taken from you that right. that yeah. you cannot reconcile that yeah and and i can appreciate that and that is um that is hard those those are the losing a child is that's one of the biggest forgiveness lessons and um you know but what else what else are you going to do i mean i think you do have to forgive and let go of the past so that you can be all you can be in in the present yeah um, yeah no it's really really good i appreciate it you know i'm I feel like there's been a lot of grace in my life that I haven't experienced anything too traumatic like that. I mean, mm -hmm. I was very, very close with my grandfather. Um, he was kind of like a father figure to me in a lot of ways. And he passed away um, mm. about 10 years ago, but you know, he was in his eighties and it was, it was expected. Right. Um, still emotional uh, for me, obviously. 
But um, yeah, I mean, the, the next area that you mentioned something really interesting that I wanted to ask you on, which mm-hmm. was how um, you have a lot of this really healthy, natural feminine energy and how Alex sounds like had a lot of masculine energy. Mm-hmm. That polarity probably was a good thing in your marriage. And I feel like nowadays, um, I don't have a strong opinion that one's right or one's wrong, but I think we're seeing like different sexes adopt different mm-hmm. energies. And I'm curious kind of what you think is the most successful for a healthy relationship to work and like how that polarity that you and Alex had made your marriage um, more successful or benefited you guys. Mm-hmm. So that that's so great because I, I have actually given that thought. And, you know, I think that for Alex and I, specifically our souls and our how our human personalities communicated together we were we were good like that uh, but i think also those polar opposites are that i think that's all changing i think people are embracing um more their masculine side if you're very feminine. I know that's my challenge right now is not to be so, um, is to be more expressive, is to question more, is to be a little more like that doesn't, you know, because I don't have Alex here to to do that for me. So, um, and I know that maybe the past seven years of, at the end of his life, he, he would say to me, because of Jean, I, I became more compassionate. Yeah. And, but that was us. And I think nowadays, it's not so much the old standard, oh, well, opposites attract. I think it's more like attracts like. And because we're really embracing both uh, aspects of ourselves, we we all have feminine and masculine. And I, I just think we're being really stretched as human beings to encompass more, you know, so we don't just identify, oh, I'm just a feminine and I, I mean, that's great. Like if that's your niche and that's where you feel solid and empowered that's wonderful it's important to be able to have a little bit of both especially kind of in your context of like having some logical masculine might be useful to you in your life and i know for me that if i'm just all masculine all the time i'm gonna lack some of that compassion and empathy like alex said do you feel like you're seeing some value or like some opportunity to claim not like a ton of masculine energy but just kind of accessing that part of your emotions or brains um, yeah. moving forward in your life today? Absolutely. You know, I, I do feel that I'm, it's, it's just what the, what life is asking more of me. You know, it's just, it's for me to, to really enjoy and be in this world. I, I, I have to embrace another aspect of myself. And it doesn't mean like throwing all like now I'm going to you know, walk around with, <laughs> with my shotgun. Oh, no. Pressing every day. Skip big. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, for me, it's about balance and, you know, um, and, and respect for, for, for where we're all at. I mean, it's, I, it's, 
amazing how this world is really changing and and it's so it's so beautiful and yet you know with change it there unfortunately there is pain in that and we're seeing that too yeah yeah no that's 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 true yeah good and bad yeah from change um so you know i feel like you can really share a lot with our audience because we do a lot of episodes on relationships and I, <laughs> I noticed yeah. <laughs> you dropped a lot of really valuable points about like what makes a marriage last and be healthy. And so yeah. I want to ask you a few questions, but first, if we could kind of get the story out a little bit more. So, you know, you're ready to pick up and move. Alex is like, Hey, you know, drops this kind of big thing here. <laughs> How do we get from there to, you know, you guys kind of having two kids and being married? Like what, what came next after he said that to you? Uh, well, when he, when he, then he, he asked me to marry him and, uh, and I said, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, how and long had, did you guys like officially date like romantically between him? You know, and- it, it, it wasn't like we were boyfriend girlfriend you know it, it we just weren't it it just seemed like the right thing to do and i know that sounds so um but it wasn't like we were this boyfriend girlfriend that you know he would he would introduce me as his lady if we went out to like something at sony or something like that but um you know, we weren't, uh, he did ask me to live with him. And I said, no. And I think that's when he was like, well, I'm going to ask you to marry me. And um, so we, we were, it, it's so odd. We were not this traditional dating couple. Yeah. He, I would go over to Alex's house. Basically, Brendan, I would have dinner with him and his mother. Alex would excuse himself. And do and you know he says I have a lot of paperwork I need to do and I would sit with his mom, and we would you know we would either watch TV together him and or sometimes Alex would say, uh, Oh Jeannie do you want to watch a movie down in the den and I'd say okay, um, so that's basically our friendship and then, you know at a point it did turn more intimate and. Shortly not after that did he did he ask me to, to marry him. So we got married and uh, our son Matthew was conceived, you know, he was born within the year. So that was a huge blessing. And he's an amazing young man. Uh, Matthew's awesome. And then we had Emily two and a half years later, who is equally amazing. So Wow. We'd only, Alex and I, we would joke. We don't even know how we got so lucky, but we did. <laughs> Our kids are, are truly beautiful inside and out. Yeah. Wow. I, well, I definitely want to hear more about that. It, it's funny though, when you talk about you being with Alex's mother, <laughs> there's a story in my family that the night after my grandfather, who I was just talking about, met my grandma for the first time, he put on his Boy Scout uniform the next day and went to her house and she, my grandma wasn't home, but her mother, my great grandma Eva was there and they sat together and had hot cocoa and he told her about his uh, medals and everything. 
<laughs> you know, and then she, he left and then, you know, my grandma comes home and grandma Eva says, you know, there was a boy here for you. So, <laughs> so I just, I just love that story. Um, I'm curious, okay. what was it like to sit with Alex's mother and, you know, did she like you and what was that relationship mm -hmm. mean like? Okay. I loved Alex's mom. So I, and, and she loved me and I knock on wood that my mother-in-law was a really wonderful mother-in-law. I don't have any mean stories. She was a lovely, lovely woman and she helped me with the kids and, um, and she was strong too. She was not a little wallflower. She had her opinions, um, but again, Brendan, I think because of the age difference, you know, almost 25 years, I think there was this, wow, we have this really young, you know, I was 24 when I married Alex. We, we have this, you know, and I, and in one way it was beautiful. And another way it was hard in that I, it like Alex, if not, um, you know, I was living with his mother and Alex. And so that I, I had a lot of respect for your elders. So just me as a person growing up and changing so much in those 20s, those years and that we do in our 20s, you know, I just felt always um, be respectful, be good, be you know, honoring of Alex's mother and, uh, and, and Alex too, because he just, you know, he was, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure that our family dynamic was at peace, but it, it was a cost for me because I did swallow a lot of my own really deep feelings, um, living with, with them, but it was, it was fine. It was great. And I loved his mother. And um, so, when, so when you guys got married, the th it was the three of you in the same house? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was that like? His mom lived, her bedroom was off near the garage. And Alex and I, our bedroom was downstairs. So it it wasn't my ideal and Alex could tell. So then we moved, we moved. He was like, we got to get mom her own yeah. place, you know, and then, and then we did, but his career was really taking off at that time. You know, he was hosting Jeopardy. He was hosting classic concentration. So he was a man that was really, his career was really taking off and, yeah. As you know, just the entertainment business was pulling out him left and right. Yeah. And now he's married to a young bride who's having a baby and wants to move. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> Alex had a lot on his plate back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what was that like for you? I mean, were there any instances where like the press or media was interested in you and your story? And how did you navigate that? coming from Long Island and not really being in entertainment. Yeah, it wasn't so much of that. There was a story that came out in the National Enquirer that said, um, Alex married me because I was pregnant. 
And then I had to go through all these, um, you know, like my, my OBGYN doctor had to prove that I wasn't, you know, no, the baby is only this big now. There's no way it was, you know, all these things, but um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Not too much. Um, Yeah. And and I guess I was just going to ask, I want to hear kind of the impact it had on you, but first I am curious, you know, what do you feel like amounted to Alex's kind of, significant growth success becoming a household name like was mm-hmm. it work ethic was it the way you think he showed up on tv like what do you feel like accounted for his kind of trajectory into becoming such a kind of big name i think he he presented this energy of stability and intelligence and confidence, but not in a cocky way. Um, I think he, you know, he really grew into that job. I think at first it was, um, you know, they were trying, you know, just trying it out. You know, he's a handsome guy and could read well and gave a good appearance, but that only takes you so far. And then, as you know, you there needs to be more there needs to be like this passion and this mm. and he loved jeopardy he never ever um was like oh i gotta go to work tomorrow oh i gotta tape the show tomorrow he was always engaged and enthusiastic um till for for the 32 years that i known him you know he and he he was really grateful to host that show he wasn't he didn't take it for granted and he saw the vision of it he saw that it could be really um just not for older people you know it could and it did and it grew and the the producer at the time harry friedman such a visionary and they really expanded the show and it was it just it's just an iconic uh it's more than a game show i've always thought of it more than just a game show oh i think it's part of society yeah like people sing the song when you think it's you know it's it's so much more than a show yeah yeah but he loved it and he was humble and yet um confident and that's such a you know, to, to embrace both those qualities. It's like, you want your doctor to be humble and have a good side bedside manner, but you also want your doctor not to be like, well, I, I hope this goes well. Like you want the doctor (laughs) to have a little, I know what I'm doing here. You know, I, I got this. So Alex had that, I got this. And, um, and he also had a beautiful bedside manner. Yeah. No, that's really good. And w- and were you kind of like, was your approach to the show and to kind of what he was doing professionally, like go do it and I'll be here over here. Mm-hmm. Or like, did you watch it and ever give him sort of insights or like feedback? Like what was your relationship with him as it related to his career mm-hmm. and kind of presentation and everything? He definitely did his show. 
and Alex is, uh, he did not really ask for my opinion, except he would sometimes call me into the bedroom because he did watch the show almost every night. He would watch how it aired, how he did, how the contestants were the questions too hard. That was a big thing. You know, he, I, I remember him saying, I think these questions are too hard now. They're, you know, people aren't staying in the game as long and that, that's kind of boring if that doesn't happen. And yeah. so he was really watching the show um, from his chair in our bedroom. And he would call me in and say, um, he'd actually be like, watch me walk out. Do you think my shoulders are hunching over? Do I look like an old man when I'm walking out to the podium? And so I would watch him and be like, no, you look great. You know? <laughs> He'd be like, okay, what's for dinner? You know. <laughs> um, but I will also say that I, I think the Jeopardy family over there at Sony, they, they work really well together. Mm. You know, like families, no, everyone doesn't see eye to eye, but um they, they, there were long-term people there. You know, there was this, it was not a swinging door of employees. That Jeopardy production team were, were there for, the, for a long time. And, you know, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's critical for any mm -hmm. you know, movie business, you know, to have that cohesion and stability. Yeah, that's a great word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm curious again, let's bring us back to, I want to hear more about your personal experience here. So what was it like? I mean, I feel like we have been, but just to go even further into your experience of this, um, you know, I feel like anyone listening might have a partner or spouse not doing something bigger, but just different. Like, how did you kind of like, what was your experience like as your partner became maybe more famous or yeah. you know, consumed in a certain life like what was that like for you as a partner and how did you kind of make sure that the marriage stayed strong and you guys were good through that oh so that's a beautiful question and that was probably the hardest time because I think when my we Alex and I became empty nesters so my Matthew you know and Emily grad Matthew graduated high school in 2009 and Emily in 2013. So when they left our home, it was hard for me. It was, I, it was really hard. And Alex was just, his career at that time was super, just, just on a rocket ship. So I knew I really had to recreate myself. And it wasn't like I had a job to go back to. It wasn't like, oh, I was, um, you know, I had this profession before, you know, and I did have my flower shop, but I sold the flower shop in 2009. I had my flower shop all through when the children um, went through elementary and high school. And it, it, it was wonderful. It provided me the time to take them to school in the morning, pick them up in the afternoon. And I was really blessed to have that flower shop. But but um, there was a section of time that I did not have anything to do. And Alex was like, look, I, I got my plate full. You have to do you. And 
So I went to school, I went back to school for spiritual studies and I became a licensed um, spiritual practitioner. And so to put a little meat on what that means, it's, it's sort of like a lay minister and it's not in a specific religion, it's more spiritual. So it, it's very encompassing of all religions. So you study Christianity and Buddhism and Judaism and, and, and you really just realize that um, what they're all trying to say is the same love in me is, is really in you and we're all expressing it differently. Mm-hmm. And so out of that, morphed the website Inside Wink, which I, um, which I love, which is a little passion love project. And I do that with my very dear friend, Alison Martin, who is a fabulous actress and an amazing mom and beautiful wife and astonishing friend. And she's just the best. And we work on this website, Inside Wink, which, um, which is all about sharing the good in the world. And we're all different, but we all have our little ministry and you have yours, Brandon, and mm-hmm. Alex had his ministry and, and we all, the underlying thing is love, you know, is, is upliftment and supporting each other and honoring each other. Yeah. Is that something that for you, you got a lot of growing up from your parents. And so it was easy to then pass it on or more like, I didn't get this so much. So I want to learn and grow and then help others kind of. Yeah, I would say the latter. I wasn't, um, I think my parents had a lot on their plate as two young people. My brother was born with a a brain uh, disorder. So that was just something, you know, that they had to deal with. Um, I know money was always a problem and, uh, you know, I just felt that I, I think now looking back, I remember feeling really taken with the suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. I remember that and going, wow, the mind that we think with. We, we, a lot of people really don't know how to think properly. And we think a negative thought and we believe it. Yeah. And, and I'm not benign to this. It happens to me too. And, and how much mental energy we waste um, dwelling on the past and all these negative things. And I, I think that I'm losing what you asked me. No, no, it's, I think I think we both did in a good way because this is. Um, I talk about this a lot on my show, though, like the, the you know when I read the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, yeah, and just like sure. all like like we're not our mind, we're not our thoughts. Right, true, and we so have them. Yeah, like we have our bodies, but but I'm not my body, and I and right. I have thoughts, and the great news is we can pick our thoughts we, you know, we really can. And, and the human mind loves to chew on a bone and loves to be pulled out into the drama. But the real power is, is in your heart and, 
And uh, if you can connect to that, like a mothership, however you want to do it, it can be walking in the morning, it can be gardening, it can be talking to, you know, whatever that is for you. I mean, I do feel that silence is one of the most powerful ways because it's so direct, but, you know, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. No, I, I I get paid good money to help reprogram people's minds and mm-hmm. these things, you know. And to your point too, like I had something for me too. Like this all probably started from my own desire to understand what was going on in my head, and as a result, seeing the fruit of it, how can I share this with more people? Yeah. Was there a book or something or someone that that really moved you? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I. Because you're very intelligent, like I, I, I read your bio and I know how accomplished you are, but for your heart, you know, what, what really spoke to you? Yeah, thank you. It was uh, a book. Well, I'm about 25 at the time in New York City, lose a relationship, a job, and almost my brother in the span of a week. And I went from thinking all these books are like, oh, I don't need them or they're not real to being very much um, indebted to reading them and them starting to change my life. And there was a book by, um, I read The Power of Now, obviously by Eckhart Tolle, but then I read another book called Breaking the Cycle by a guy named George Collins um, who lived in Walnut Creek, California. I think he still lives there. He's a New York guy as well. And I was... I really didn't like my job in finance and I was looking for some space. So I booked a one-way flight to Copenhagen. There was like a $99 last minute deal. And so I'm walking around in Denmark uh, with all these Danish people and I'm listening to the audiobook. And it was basically the power of now applied to addiction. And I was having challenges with food and alcohol. I was wanting to quit pornography and the author really spoke to me. Um, and so I wrote him an email. And he called me. I remember getting a voicemail from him. Like the phone didn't ring because I'm in Europe, but the message came through. And as soon as I got back to New York, uh, I called him back and we booked a session. And I realized he was a coach. And his whole approach from a modality perspective was to really understand that we're not our thoughts and kind of everything you've been sharing. And so for three years, we worked together. And I came out to California once a year to Carmel. He had a house with a couple other guys he coached. And so learning this was very helpful for me. Um, helped me with my anxiety, with my shame, with my, you know, monkey mind or whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's an, it's a blessing to be able to share this with other people and see kind of the benefits um, that they get to experience when they can detach a little bit more. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And beautiful and and true. You know, I love I do love that word beautiful because for me it's such an expansive word that's. But when, when, when we realize something, when with that aha moment and we're liberated from whatever is just, mm, you know, and that guilt is, that's a tough one, but it doesn't have to be. Like it can, it, it's, it's a matter of, that's not mine. That's not mine, you know? So, uh, no, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was just gonna say this. It's so good, and I'm curious, kind of, as you stepped into this next chapter of your life and learning these things, did you have any 
kind of powerful growth or realizations that as you stepped into the next phase of your life helped you or change things for the better? Mm -hmm. You know, I think I'm still in that time right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I notice what came up for me a lot with Alex's passing was a lot of self doubt because I didn't realize at the time that how much I, you know, relied on him to take care of so much stuff, you know? And um, so I'm really having to embrace sort of like what I preach to people I sit with. And, you know, isn't that funny that, that it's like the, um, we, we teach what we have to learn. And it's very humbling and it's very beautiful. Like it's, it's good and, it's, and it, it's, it's a path, you know? And that's why I really honor someone like you because it's not just about all the accolades you get from the outer world. You know, there's something much more bigger going on. And, um, and you're so tapped into it, Brandon. You, you know, I can feel it. Thank so, you. I, yeah. yeah, but for me, it's it's just really trusting myself because I really trusted Alex. Like it was like, oh, he's got that, you know, and and he did. You know, he was a very, uh, you know, he's he was like my in a way like a father figure. Right. So there was some of that that I had to heal in the past because I'm sure that you know, just the little girl in me wanted his approval and it was beautiful to have Alex's approval. You know, wouldn't, I mean, I remember people would come up to me and say, oh, you know, what's the greatest thing about Alex, you know, for you, Gene? And honestly, I just loved when he would say, Jeannie, come over here, I, I need a hug. Aww. You know, because you didn't see that part of Alex on the show. And um, because he always had to be, you know, it was a time frame. So Jeopardy was, you know, you had your 21 minutes and then he had to, but he, you know, he did have a very sweetness to him. And um, so now that, that I know that's, that is still alive and I can tune into that when I, when it's quiet for me, but yes, going just full circle, it's just honoring myself more and trusting. Yeah. I call the power God. So I trust God within my heart to make the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a beautiful thing to use your word, which I like also <laughs> to be able to trust and derive healthy amount of security from your spouse. But then obviously if that person's not there, it's like, how do I find that in God or in myself more or in both, which is yeah. painful, but also can inspire growth inside of you to become more secure and confident in yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, a lot of it was just even my old jobs, like working as an investment banker in New York City, like everything is there. The, the black cars, the unlimited food, the credit card, the huge salary, the huge bonuses. And then when I realize, okay, this isn't my calling in life, it's like whoosh, all gone. 
Yeah. So good because it's the next phase for me and I'm honoring that. But all and, and also good because it's growth that I'm being called to, even if it's mm-hmm. painful. But that's the last thing is it is challenging in that interim transition point. Yeah, and and that's the point when you can go, okay, you know, I'm being redirected here by a power, by God, by the universe. Um, And I'm going to let go and let God, you know, we love these great little quotes, let go and let God. But when the rubber meets the road, and you you have to do it. (laughs) You're like, oh, really? This, huh, this too? Like, yeah, this, this, this too. And, um, and it's great that we can support others. So even if one person can glean a little um, inspiration or, you know, empowerment from our talk, it's all worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is, this has been great. And so educational and fun. And uh, as we kind of wrap up here, I mean, anything else you want to share with our audience in terms of kind of things we missed or insights you've gleaned from your experiences that you want to impart? Well, I am a huge advocate of gratitude. It is really powerful I'm, to start your day with gratitude. It, it, just, it just puts gas in your tank and somehow, some way it, it does percolate its magic you might not see it right away the way you want to see it, but it's the universe responds to gratitude in the most beautiful way. And then I think just lastly is, well, two things. Okay, two more things. Not to take things so personally. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, without saying the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, uh, Alex and I used to, laugh at that and we'd say the grass is greener where it's fertilized (laughs) (laughs) it's true where it's watered so um so that's it no that's that's really good so as we're kind of wrapping up here what would you say you're most grateful for right now in your life Mm. my children my children are my big lights in my life right now, but uh, just staying present and peace of mind. I am, I'm, I'm very simple. I'm just someone that really appreciates peace of mind and presence, the presence of another. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And, and just to kind of agree with what you said about gratitude, it's easy to um, lose perspective. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is remember when you wanted so desperately what you currently have. And I have to constantly remind myself of my house that I own in San Diego and my cars and all my surfboards and all much more importantly, my community and my, where I'm at as a person. And like, even thinking back to 2017, living in a small studio that I'm renting in New York, depressed, anxious, you know, to where I'm at. So, so I, I, gratitude. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Jean Trebek, thank you again so much for coming on the show. If people want to learn more, find you and your website, where can they go? They can go to www.insidewink.com.
Perfect. We are there with, with new content almost every day. And um, we're just happy to be of service in, in a good way. Love it. Well, you heard it, guys. InsideWink.com. Gene Trebek, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Brandon. All the best to you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.